You're listening to the Prevailing Word podcast channel and also on our Prevailing Word live YouTube channel. I'm Pastor Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Let's get right into the message. Please open up your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Know that the screen says different differently, but uh, Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And beginning at verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he had, before he was taken, he had this testimony that he he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, which being divinely warned of things not yet seen, Uh, Moved with godly fear. Moved with godly fear. Prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. When we read uh, of uh, verse um, number one, we see that the writer of Hebrews uh, speaks about the substance of faith. And I am under the persuasion that uh, the book of Hebrews um, was hijacked. And hijacked by those who either didn't study the book of Hebrews or they never intended to study the book of Hebrews correctly and used it to mislead people. And that's what you have from time to time. You have people that will mislead people when it comes to scripture. And so um, what we want to do is set the record straight when it comes to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is not one of those books that you, or any book for that matter, have the right to alter or adjust 
to fit a narrative. Too often we have misguided people that will put out a narrative and then hijack the scriptures and then butcher them. And I was one of them. Charles Spurgeon said this, that there will be a day, paraphrasing, there will be a day when the clowns will be entertaining the goats. I had to admit I was a clown. And we come to church to entertain instead of study the precepts of God the way that it's supposed to be studied. Staying within the context contextual boundaries of scripture. But now notice in verse verse one of Hebrews chapter 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. And in this chapter, the writer of Hebrews made a list of those elders and they had a good testimony. Now, here in verse 3, which is where a lot of us, including myself, have um, assumed a definition instead of taking the time to study the Hebrew definitions, uh, the, the definitions in Greek, rather. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And when we see worlds, the first thing that comes to mind is that it's all about creation, and it's not. The word age or, or worlds is, is word, is, the word in the Greek is spelled A-I-O-N, which is A-I-O-N. And it means age. It also means extension, perpetuity, or also past. Well, what, what are we getting at here? When we're talking about ages, we're talking age, we're talking about time periods. So the word of God were framed or we understand by faith that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The successive ages, as the Amplified Bible would put it, the successive ages or one age after another. In other words, we would understand that in this particular time period, something happened. In this particular time period, something happened. In this particular time period, something happened. And in this particular time, something happened. And in each particular time, a different person rose up. Because we know that when Adam sinned, God said that you have sinned in that you have ate, you ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which I told you not to. You shall work from the sweat of your brow because you hearken to the woman. You shall work under the sweat of your brow and you will return to the dust from whence you came. So in each successive age, we all know that each person had to die and God had to raise up another individual for his own assignment to fulfill what he designed to fulfill for that specific age. That's why it took so long for Christ to come over 3,700 years. 
Because in each successive age, the lineage had to line up. Because in order for salvation to be legal, he had to put Jesus in the, in the lineage. And so each successive age was a person through whom Jesus would pass through. All you have to do is study the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 and also in Luke chapter 1 or chapter 4, I believe. Uh, we know that he came through certain people. And it's very important that we uh, understand that in each successive age, these people formed the lineage of Christ. But not only that, but we see that in each successive age that there would be certain individuals that would make a mark in the age in which they would be raised up. And it's very important for us to see that and understand that in each successive age, the genealogy of Jesus is in Luke chapter 3, not chapter 4, I'm sorry. Uh, in each successive age, something significant happened. And so when we see framed by the word of God, that is that significant event that God wanted to happen. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And when we see that, we can easily equate this with creation. But no, the subject is the word worlds, which means ages, which means time periods. So that the things which are seen with the, notice this, the things in the plural, which are seen, we're not made of things which are visible. It's very easy for us to look at the things that are, that are seen and equate them with creation. Well, look at the planets, the galaxies, the stars, the moons, all the things that God has created. But it, was, but it is talking about a word from God for that specific age that are the things that we see. But they're not made of things which are visible. They're made from God, who is invisible. And so now we see in a particular age, a word from God that took place, which we now see. Look at verse four. And the person through whom God will use to bring the word of God for that age. By faith, verse 4 in Hebrews chapter 11, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. The whole point of this particular age or successive age is to show that Abel brought to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain because Cain brought fruit. Abel, Abel bought a lamb. Sacrificed it. That's what a 
this is a more excellent sacrifice, right? Because God didn't want anything from the ground. In fact, he didn't demand it. He demanded a sacrifice. A more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And Cain got mad, as we see in Scripture. Cain got so mad that he killed his own brother. We see this in the news from time to time when people are killing their own relatives. For instance, there was this person that decided to drive his family in a car and drove off the cliff and wanted to kill his whole family. But they all survived miraculously. See, hatred can be in your heart so viciously and anger can be in your heart so viciously that it will blind you to the fact that you're killing your own flesh and blood. Cain was so mad that Abel, because Cain thought that Abel showed him up. He got jealous that, that Abel was accepted and Cain was rejected. And then God told him, if you want to be accepted, do what your brother did. In, in, in other words, you know, paraphrasing. So all he could have done was, hey, Abel, could I borrow a lamb? And Abel would have said, sure, bro. No problem here. And then God would have said, I accept that. And that would have been the end of it. We wouldn't be hearing any more about Cain and Abel if he would have done that. But no, sin lies at the heart, at the door, because his heart was full of hatred. You see, you don't have, see, in order to stab somebody to death, you have to first stab them to death in your heart. Your heart has to have hatred first in order for you to take it, take it out on the individual that you hate. Now, Abel's offerings, it goes on to say, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Why? Because the offering that God required was for the atonement of sin. It wasn't an offering because it was a nice thing to do for God. Abel recognized that he was in sin and that to have his sin atoned for, you have to bring a firstborn lamb without blemish and sacrifice it. Folks, don't get jealous of another person's sacrifice. In fact, bring the kind of sacrifice that they brought. That's all you had to do. It's no sense of you getting mad and upset and frustrated, angry, disgusted, frustrated. You don't have to do. You don't have to. Look, don't be a drama mama. Don't be a drama daddy. Don't don't. You don't have to do that. Just figure it out. They brought that and God was pleased. Guess what? I'm going to bring that and God will be pleased with me. That's all you got to do. Don't get mad. Don't get mad at folk. Which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it, he being dead still speaks. You see, Abel's body has been destroyed, killed. He's dead. 
but what he done still speaks. But one thing is for sure, the blood of Jesus outspeaks not only the firstborn or the first the, the firstborn as far as lambs are concerned that that Abel bought for, as a sacrifice, but even Abel's own blood will never outspeak the blood of Jesus. Now look at verse five. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. In other words, the word the word taken is the same word that is used for the word rapture. Uh, transport to transfer. Enoch was transferred. He was transferred from heaven, from earth to heaven. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Now, those in the prophet, uh, prophetic uh, community, end time prophecy will debate. But there is no debate because Enoch has to die simply because Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 says, and as it is appointed unto men once to die. So Enoch does have to come back to the earth and die. In Revelation chapter 11 is the two witnesses. They will be killed by the beast. One of them is Enoch. Even Lazarus, when, when Jesus raised him from the dead, he died twice. Some say that it's Moses as one of the witnesses. No, his body is still on Mount Nebo. So Enoch got to come back to the earth and die. But for now, he's up in heaven. He is one of the two olive, olive, uh, olives that are standing before the, the throne of God. Elijah is the other one. Because remember, in the book of, us, of, of uh, Kings, we see that he was taken up by whirlwind. He's got to come back and die too. But getting back to Enoch, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. By faith, but rather, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I mean, we've butchered verse six so much that rarely will you hear someone teach verse five in connection with verse six. So if we have anybody that teach verse six without verse five is missing it. Because the way that Enoch pleased God, rather the way that Enoch was taken from God was that he pleased God. How did he please him? He walked the way that God required for him to walk. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. It takes faith, in other words, trusting in the Savior alone to please the Lord. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You see, diligently seeking him is not just 
about seeking him for things. And that's what has been the problem with verse six has been reduced to seeking God for things. When its primary function is to please God by walking in his statutes, by walking in his ways, by being obedient to his commands. Because we see in verse five, the fact that Enoch didn't ask God for anything. He just simply recognized the wickedness that he was in and decided to walk holy before God, recognizing that as a result, the Lord gave him a vision, which is expounded upon in the book of Jude, that the Lord Jesus will come with 10,000s of his saints. And to, and to perform judgment and justice on the wicked, the unrighteous. This kind of testimony pleased God, and, and God says, simply said, come with me. And took him. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That he is what? Holy. Righteous. Just. Oh, but God is God of love. Yeah, the Bible says that in 1 John chapter 4, that God is love. But we tend to forget that God is also just, righteous, and holy, which is what he, Enoch was rewarded for. He was rewarded for the fact that he recognized that God was going to judge sin, not only after the time of Noah, but also in the last days. And so an example of this is found in verse 7. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. What, what does it mean to be divinely warned? It means that God is going to show you something that you haven't seen before. But what is it that Noah saw? Being divinely warned of things not yet seen. What was it? that Noah saw. Well, we'll get to that in a moment, if you give me uh, some patience. But notice this, moved with godly fear. And that's our subject, moved with godly fear. What does it mean to move with godly fear? Well, to move with godly fear, fear meaning that you have to be afraid of something. This word fear means to be circumspect, to be apprehensive, reverence, to act cautiously, to beware, stand in awe, to fear and to reverence. Noah moved with godly fear, but what did he do? Look at the rest of the verse. Prepared an ark for the saving of his household. 
prepared an ark for the saving of his household. So he must have saw something that got his attention to where he moved with godly fear to prepare an ark for the saving of his household. But you see, not only did he do this, but he also, but it also says this, by which he condemned the world. He condemned the world. His moving with godly fear caused him to build an ark by which this ark that he was building condemned the world. The word condemn simply means to judge against, to sentence, to damn, to give judgment against, to judge worthy of punishment. I mean, what if somebody came into your household and killed all your family members and you're the one that's left alive? Wouldn't you want justice? You want that individual to be charged with a crime, tried in front of a jury of their peers, found guilty of the crime, and the judge to pass a, a punishment worthy of punishment. Worthy of punishment. What would be a worthy crime? What would be a crime worthy of punishment is, is what I wanted to say. Well, if you kill somebody, you want a, a punishment that is commensurate or equal to the crime committed. Noah was a preacher. He preached the word of God while he was building. It's, it's, not, it's not a surprise to be preaching about... Uh, the judgment of God and to condemn the world while you're, pre while you're doing it. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. So this is how Noah, this is how Noah condemned the world. Let's see. I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Uh, for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Let me point something out with this verse before I get back into the Noah. God did not spare the angel who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness. So there were angels that sinned way before. Now, we're not talking about the third of the stars that the tail of the dragon threw to the earth in Revelation chapter 12. This was before then. Now, these angels must have been some bad angels to be reserved in chains of darkness. I mean, not just cast into hell, but chained. So that way they can't do anything. To be reserved for judgment. And they're still there to this day. 
Now let's get back into verse five now. And did not spare the ancient world, but save Noah, one of eight people. Now, now watch this. This is talking about God did not spare the ancient world. The ancient world that he's speaking of was the time of Noah, which the story we'll get into in a moment. But I wanted to point something out here that's very important. In verse 5, and did not spare the ancient world, but save Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, being in the flood on the world of the ungodly. Not only was Noah building, but he was preaching. Because the Bible says he's a preacher of righteousness. To preach means to herald. To preach means to proclaim. To preach means to shout with a loud voice. One person said it like this, and it's really spot on in my opinion. Sinners need preaching. Saints need teaching. I'll say that again. Sinners need preaching. Saints need teaching. And so that's why when you see the street preachers out there, men and women. You know, I was watching a woman street preacher. She was she was wailing. She was wailing so much that she grew a grew a crowd of women (laughs) and they were trying to shout her down. But she had the mic. And she was preaching the word. But Noah was a preacher of righteousness while he was preparing the ark, while he was building the ark. He was a preacher of righteousness that God was going to destroy the world and nobody paid attention. Nobody paid attention, but they mocked Noah, ridiculed him, scorned him. I can understand why it's a daunting task for people to Go out and preach in front of a crowd that is hostile. I can understand it. But when you're called to preach, you muster the courage to suppress the fear of of being injured or even killed just to give them the word of God to be saved. Nobody paid attention to the fact that God was going to bring judgment on them because of their ungodly deeds. And to a degree, we're approaching the same group of people. So much so that if we're not careful, if we're not watching, can you see why they're fighting so hard to indoctrinate children? Because you're planting seeds within them that when they grow up, They will be anti-God. The Board of Education isn't concerned about reading, writing, and arithmetic. They're concerned about training the child to be haters of God when they grow up. We're seeing them having a desire to train a generation of kids that will disregard law and order and live lawless lives. A generation that will 
Not think twice to hate God. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And they didn't even pay attention to a word that he said. Because they all thought that God existed, but we don't want to pay attention to him. Oh, Noah, you're just full of it. In paraphrasing. For 100 lunar years, not Gregorian calendar years, lunar years. For 100, because a lunar year is shorter than a Gregorian calendar year. For 100 years, because God warned Noah at age 500. For 100 years, Noah preached and God told Noah, man, it's only going to last 120 years. And sadly, I see, I've seen a preacher butcher the 120 years. God promised us 120 years. Well, no, God promised us a long life. If God promised you 120 years, we have yet to see in this modern day lifetime, people get past 115, 118. And that's a very select few. We're not talking about a wide population. I mean, just butchered that, that scripture because we all have an appointed day of death. But for a hundred years, Noah preached righteousness, that God was going to judge the world, and nobody paid attention, much like today. I mean, we're seeing signs and evidences of his coming unlike any time before. For instance, when God is about to pour out his wrath, you're afraid and you'll do everything exactly right, which is what Noah did, because you don't want to be destroyed with the wicked. In the last five years, several things took place. Last 15, 20 years, really, because the Levitical training took place a couple of decades ago because they're hungering to build a third temple. Last year, five red heifers came to Jerusalem from Texas because this is a fulfillment of Numbers chapter 19. That in order for you to sanctify and consecrate the temple, you have to have a heifer unblemished. Under two years old, two years of age that can be sacrificed. In October of 2022, the libation ritual was practiced when they took the Levitical priesthood just a few months ago, took a, uh, I, I would call it a cup, but it's not called a cup. I'll, fi I'll figure out, I'll find out the name of it in, in next week and give it to you, Lord willing. Uh, and dipped it in the water where they normally would dip the water and pull it out because they would use that to, to cleanse themselves and or to cleanse the utensils in 2018 under president trump the u.s embassy was moved from tel aviv to jerusalem just recently as far as last year 2022 the west bank by israelis is no longer called the west bank it is now called Judea and Samaria, which is 
pretty Bible to me. Why? Because Jesus said in Acts chapter one that he, that he said that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. Then in Acts chapter eight, we see that a persecution took place and they were thrusted out of Jerusalem with the exception of the apostles. And they went out through Judea and Samaria and the outer parts of the world to preach the gospel. Just last week, Ben Gavir walked the Temple Mount area, which in our morning session we discussed. The Arab world appears threatened that Israel will buck the status quo. The status quo meaning that Muslims are allowed to pray on the Temple Mount. The Christians are allowed to pray on the Temple Mount. But Jews only on certain days can come up to the Temple Mount, but not on top where the Dome of the Rock is. Status quo meaning that they can do it, but you can't. Muslims and Christians can pray on the Temple Mount, but Jews cannot pray on the Temple Mount proper. If Jews pray there, it's a direct signal of the Jews to build the third temple, which means the Dome of the Rock may be destroyed. Here's another thing that took place that we need to pay attention to that lines up with the fact that this world is headed towards its destruction by way of the judgment of God that he will bring. The Golan Heights is now firmly under Israeli control. And settlements there and in Judea and Samaria are planned, which demands that the Palestinians must be displaced. Here's another further evidence of this. We see that in the last few weeks, Israel has been launching strikes in Syria, which is a sign that they are showing to the region that they will defend that area vigorously. The reason why Israel is launching strikes in Syria is to establish regional dominance in northeastern Israel. Israel is already being blamed for waging terror attacks, even though Hamas initiates the attacks. I mean, it's just like mom, my mother beating me for something that my brother did. What? Why am I getting beat? And she would have, have an excuse ready, just in case. Just in case you did something. But why should Israel be blamed for terrorist attacks when they didn't initiate it? It's the terrorist organization Hamas and others and Hezbollah that initiates terror attacks, and they should be condemned and blamed. No, Israel is condemned and blamed. It's Israel's fault. But do you think Israel care? Nope. They're going to defend and they're going to arrest and or stop the threat of anyone killing Jews. They have a right to self-defense. Why all this? Because the Messiah is on his way. But what few people are doing is looking at the judgment of God that will be poured out on the earth and Israel being devastated for three and a half years. 
Now let's get back to the story with Noah. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. But what is it that he, what was it that he saw? Well, let's go to the book of Genesis. What is it that he saw? Let's pick up in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24. Let's verse 23 rather. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 23. We, we, we already read about Enoch, right? We, we read about Abel. We read about Enoch. And then we read about Noah. Notice, notice how lined up that is. And, no, and you'll see the lineup in a moment. Enoch obviously happened before, I mean, after Abel. Verse 23. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not. For God took him. Remember what we saw in, in Hebrews chapter 11, that God took him for he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 25, Methuselah lived 175 years. 100 rather, eight, 100, uh, 187 years, I'm sorry. 187 years and begot Lamech. And he, after he begot Lamech, Methuselah, lived 782 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. Have you ever wondered how the Jewish calendar started? The Jewish calendar started by them counting the number of years that these patriarchs lived. And that's why you get the number. This is the year 5,783 for the children of Israel. And it is from the ages of these patriarchs that they've determined that number. All the way to Adam. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. Lamech lived 182 years and had a son. He called his name Noah. Noah has a very peculiar name. It means rest. And he called his name rest. Saying this one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands. Because of the ground which the Lord had cursed. After he begot Noah, Lamech lived 595 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. Now watch this. How many years did Lamech live? 777 years. Year seven seven seven, and Noah, meaning rest, was five hundred years old and begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And for those of you that have studied Black history, some of you might be saying, "Well, where is Black folk in the Bible?" Ham. Now, you can't tell me that black folk don't like ham. 
Just thought I'd throw out there for good measure. <laughs> Ham, his name means hot. And even in the Hebrew, it is spelled his name, Ham, H-A-M. But it means hot. The melanin in our skin. I'm just getting off on a side issue because I know that we all celebrate Black History Month and we always talk about those individuals that have have uh, made serious contributions to the world, black folk. And there's nothing wrong with that. I highly suggest that you study. There's certain things that we still don't know about certain individuals that contributed to society that is a blessing to us today by the hands of who God created as black folk. So never be ashamed of your ethnic heritage. Never be ashamed of where you came from. And, and so it means hot. So, so, so what does that really mean? What does that really tell us? He's the second son of Noah father of Canaan and of various peoples, which were inhabitants of southern lands. The word hot can also mean black. I mean, there's very few black folk that love cold weather. But enough of that, because I want to get back to, to Noah. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem. Shem is of the uh, uh, progenitor of the, uh, the Arab world and other races connected to the Arab world. Japheth are our Caucasian brothers, and they love the cold. But now go to chapter 6 and verse 1 in the book of Genesis. Now it came to pass... When men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Now, there's a great mystery about this, but we're not going to go into any other mystery about this because there's a lot of speculation that you can get into by discussing who the sons of God were. And the Lord God said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. Or his spirit will not contend with men forever. You know that fighting got to come to an end. And we also got to realize that God didn't start this fight. You see, everything that happened was because the other guy started it. God didn't start this. This, this, this contention. All God did was create a world and perfect and people decide to, they, they want to contend against God, starting with Adam and Eve. And this same spirit that started contending with God came from the devil, came from Satan, Lucifer, because he got so filled with pride that he thought that he could take God. Now, wait a minute. For all eternity up until that point, you watch God create things. You watch God's power. You've seen God's glory. 
And all of a sudden, in your finite angelic mind, you thought that being that you were created by him, that you can take God. Never mind the, the song that your arms are too short to box with God. Even if you had arms, they wouldn't work. The Lord said, my spirit shall not strive or contend with man forever. For he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. This is speaking of the time in which he would start the process of the judgment to bring upon man. This is not a promise to you that God promised you 120 years. If that were true, then we would go past or beyond our date, which is common. Our, our average age, length of age for men is 73. For women, it's a little longer. But it's well under 120 years. So if God promised us 120 years, how come folk are still dying even before 73? Something to consider. Now, the Bible does tells us in Psalm 91 that with long life, I will satisfy you. But you don't know how long your life will be. So you got to be very careful with the scriptures. Verse four. There were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. We're not going to get into speculation because that's how you get into trouble. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the e of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You know how you know how you know how that is. Remember when before you came to Christ, your life revolved around the evil that you would do in your life, whether it be adultery, fornication, homosexuality, sexual sins, stealing, lying using the name of the Lord in vain, dishonoring your parents, covetousness, sowing discord among the brethren, being a false witness, and many other things. Your life centered around, your and my life centered around all of this. That all we would do was wake up to figure out what kind of evil are we going to do today? Now, we may not say it like that, but because of our nature, our nature revealed the kind of person that we were. How am I going to get high? How am I going to get drunk? How am I going to get laid? That's all our lives centered around. How am I going to steal and lie? Just imagine that there were only eight individuals whom God would save and the rest of the world wiped out. Some will say that's unfair. God shouldn't do that. Ain't God love? He shouldn't have done that to these people. They ain't do nothing. 
Oh, yes, they did. They did evil continually. And God is righteous and holy and just. No one wanted to turn to God. They saw this big ark every day, wood being cut, pitch being put in between the wood, and the, and the ark was getting bigger and bigger. For a hundred years, Noah preached to the people, God's going to destroy. That's why he moved with godly fear. He recognized because of what he saw from what God told him that he would destroy the world. And we're going to see that in a moment. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. What? Yes, he was. Man, I'm sorry I made these people. Man, I'm sorry. The word in the King James is the word repent in the English. It's not that God sinned. It, it's just that God saw that what he had made perfect and then turned on him, turned into this. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart, saddened. But also it means in pain and in anger. In pain and in anger. So the only way that he can be appeased because he is a God that is holy, just, and righteous was not let this bunch continue. Because if he allowed this bunch to continue, it would have got worse and worse. We do not know to the limit of the capabilities of wickedness in man. And God knew man's capability of wickedness and he had to stop it right there. He had to stop it right there. Now look at the, the era that we're living in. Aren't we technologically savvy? Don't we have all of the latest gadgets, the nice cars, the nice clothing, all of the technological advances is showing the level of wickedness that man would go to. Case in point, transhumanism. There's a thing on transhumanism where they're able to put a chip in the brain of an individual and control their every movement. Think their every thought. There's a program out there that if you talk to it, it can tell and tell and you tell it the subject. It'll print out the paper that and just like you're in class and you're going for your doctorate, it'll print out your 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 doctorate papers. Now, I'm not talking about the certificate. I'm talking about the book that you have to write in order to get your doctorate. And it would be grammatically perfect. Now, just imagine a chip in your brain and wickedness combined. Already with AI, artificial intelligence, that was designed way back there, they're already developing male and female 
artificial intelligence to have sex with. Can you see the level of depravity that man can go to with these technological advances? God said, I have to kill this bunch right here. Not because I hate them, but because they hated me. They completely ignored Noah. The mouthpiece of God to speak righteousness completely ignored him. Verse five, then the Lord God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. But thank God for verse eight. But Noah found grace. So if Noah found grace, what was their problem? They wanted no grace because they had love for sin above love for God. You see, it takes effort to find grace. It's just like when you lose a coin and, and, and you need it because you got a bill to pay and you got to pay the bill in full. So you're looking all over the house for that one penny. Why did I lost that penny? I needed that penny. And you tear, you tearing up the whole house for that penny. You, you, you have gone to great lengths to find this penny. Then after a while, you found that penny. It takes effort to find grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that's why the scriptures are designed in such a way that you have to search the scriptures. You just can't open up one book you got to open a succession of books to find a particular subject. Here, Noah didn't have any books, but, but, but he saw the wickedness that was in the earth, but Noah found grace in the eyes of God, even before he was instructed to build an ark. Even before he was instructed to build an ark. Verse 9. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Perfect? Yeah, perfect. The Bible says perfect, right? It means entire. Without blemish. Without spot. Undefiled. Even in his condition of dying, he was undefiled. In other words, he refused to walk in sin. You can keep yourself from sin, folks, and walk perfect in your generation. Not of yourself now. You need a new birth, of course. You do need to be changed in the heart. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence, much like today. Defund the police. People running away from New York City, California, Chicago, Illinois. 
They're running from these places because evil is allowed to prevail. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So what will be the remedy? Look at verse 13. God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And, I, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And then he begins to instruct Noah to build the ark. But notice what he said in verse 13. The end of all flesh has come before me, much like today. Because the end of all flesh, as far as today, is surely upon us. You've been listening to our Prevailing Word podcast channel on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. Please check out our Prevailing Word Live YouTube channel. Links are also available on our Prevailing Word Ministries Facebook page. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.